You're listening to Two Sides of Phi, a podcast that follows two lifelong friends as they seek financial independence and to retire early. I'm Eric, and I'm joined by my friend Jason, who reached Phi in 2020. And this is our story. Hey, Eric here with Two Sides of Phi, stepping in to set up this episode. This is part two in a two-part series where Jason and I are talking about how we're educating our children about personal finance and our FI journey. So if you missed part one, be sure to check that out first. In part two, we pick up where we left off talking about saving for college and how we're navigating the waters there. What, what's the what's the plan for 529s? You've, you've okay. funded 529, right? Yeah, so let's talk about that. I, I would say, so we did start very young and my wife gets all the credit. She actually learned about it before I did and did the research. We weren't in a state that had a great, incentive to do a state yeah. plan same same state you live in now right. right our daughter was born in maine exactly so she just picked one of the kind of gold rated state plans and we did that and nevada i think it, she did nevada didn't she because that's iowa. oh she did iowa okay yeah at the time at least was rated really well okay so we put in small amount each month and over the years we increased that and then a couple of times where i received some kind of you know bonus at work we put a lump sum in there and over time, as that money grew, we kind of came to what our strategy was going to be and had the money to back it up. And it basically is college is important. You're very likely going to college based on the interests you have in science and, and some other areas. And we live in a state. We've chosen to live in a state with a great public university system right in California. Your 529 will pay for your entire state education here in California. If you choose to go to an out-of-state public school, it will pay less. It'll pay this much. And if you choose to go to a private school, it's going to pay this much. And you're going to be responsible for the rest. And so we've had that conversation for a while now. Can I sit here with a straight face and tell you if she goes to a school that's more expensive than the 529 that we won't end up taking on more of that? <laughs> I can't because I'm not there yet. But I, it is our intention that if she makes that choice, despite having – wonderful options and a lot of them in state, you know, that, uh, that we won't help more, but I mean, that's been our strategy. What, how do you think about it? Yeah. So I took inspiration from yours cause you told oh. me about that. And I was like, uh, yeah, we got nothing saved for college. Like as of three years ago, we had like maybe $600 saved for college. It's pretty pathetic. Um, because we just didn't feel like we had room to do it. You know, and I, I don't know how many people are like this, but boy, that just wasn't on the menu of options for things to save. I was like, oh, I got to get my own retirement sorted out here. Um, and this was kind of before this financial awakening, right? So when you start zooming out and taking a look at your whole financial life, you realize, yeah, that's probably a responsibility we have. If we're talking about early retirement, we probably ought to do the right thing and help our kids. And we, so we, sure. yeah, we borrowed that exact strategy. I mean, I opened 529s. Uh, I opened one in Maine because there's a matching grant fund. And I think a lot of states have that. If you join your state fund and you contribute a small dollar amount, they'll match you up up to a certain point. So we figured that was free money. So we did, we have one in Maine. Then we also have one uh, in Nevada, which is a Vanguard plan. So perfect. Um, and then we just loaded it up um, with the same idea that you had, like there's some good state schools here in Maine and we'll fully fund that. It's, it's all yours. That's our gift to you. And I'll tell you it's changed. So my oldest is now just applied to a bunch of colleges, um, waiting to hear back and all the colleges he applied to out of state. are out of state <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Look. some of them are private institutions. And it, so what 
uh, Laura did, my wife, she did this spreadsheet and she basically said, okay, here's what we funded and here's the gap. So we put, we laid it all out there, man. So he got to see it. And, uh, so he was looking at it last night on the couch Uh and we're like, um, okay. So like, that's a lot of money. How are you going to come up with that? How are you going to fund the gap? You know, because right now, honestly, he has like less than 600 bucks in his bank account and and it gets spent down very quickly. Yeah. (laughs) And so he didn't really have many ideas. And I said, one idea is to, you know, treat finding scholarships like a job. And Mm -hmm. this is your you can work at a grocery store or you could wait tables, wash dishes, whatever. But you could also try and find scholarship money. And that could be your full time job between now and when you go to school. And um, he's like, yeah, that sounds good. And I said, you know, rather than playing like video games, he like yawns, gets off, off the couch, goes into his room, turns on his Xbox. And like, I don't see him for four hours, you know? So it's like, it totally does not sink in. That's so much money. Yeah. And when he walked out of the room, I, it'll be interesting to hear when you and Laurie get to this point, if it happens, he walked out of the room Laura and I looked at each other and we're like, how are we going to, well, like, we kind of have to fund more of that gap. Like it doesn't feel fair that he's made this choice to go out of state. Like he's now he's made the choice. It's like a different world we're in. Right. Yeah. We know he's not going in state. And so knowing those factors, what do you do? How do you make that decision? How much more do you fund? And we're not going to fund hundred percent of it. We want him to have skin in the game. Like that's super yeah. important to me. <clears throat> and I imagine that would be important to you too. Yeah. And it was the same in my own situation, uh, I, I don't recall if we talked about this in our kind of growing up episodes, but, you know, my parents and I both took out loans after, you know, the balance that was after the scholarships that I was able to get um, for my and I did go Me to university. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how we're going to deal with when we get there. I, I don't know. Lori's uh, pretty can be more set in her ways than I am. So she, she may <laughs> say, no, this is this is how it is. We chose to stay in California, an expensive state with, you know, taxation that is not favorable in many respects, if not most respects, um, because there's this vast state university system that has the programs you're interested in. So if you choose to go out of state, I mean, like I said, honestly, do I think I will I will not be willing to fund any extra? Well, no, that seems unlikely. But to what degree? I have no idea. It's tricky, man. And I'll tell you with two and they're very different students. Yeah. You know, then you start getting into that conversations where it's like, okay, well, this one wants to go to an elite university. And so do we fund more because of that and support that? What do you do? <laughs> Is that unfair? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I could tell you one way. I, I have a, someone in my family who likes everything to be equal for their children. And so one went to, uh, you know, a uh, a more expensive and a four-year university and one went to a two-year university and basically ended up giving the one who went to the two-year university additional funding for their for their home sure all right um, as basically to keep things equal I so see. i mean that maybe it's an extreme example to make everything dollar equal which it absolutely is for this person yeah um but it's a fair point right um how do you make sure that you're being fair and equitable um <laughs> doesn't have to be parity but right what is what is fair you you have to decide because of course that's going to be apparent to them it's going to be at apparent least in, yeah. at least in some respects so yeah you don't want the it's especially a, right knowing that 
you are achieving financial independence. You've had a very successful small right. business. You've done the right things for investing. Um, that's going to be a tough thing to reconcile <laughs> otherwise, right? It's very difficult. I have to say, it's just, I don't, I'm not like that parent that has all these answers like, oh, this is definitely what I'm going to do because you get to yeah. these points where you're, you just don't really know what the right thing to do is. You want to support both of your kids. You love both of your kids, but they, I could see <laughs> bad situations arising out of, you know, I, I, one of the things when Laura and I were having this conversation, we, it was a big point of friction for us because I said, look, we agreed to fund this amount and yep. we laid out the, the conditions of that funding and he knew the conditions of that funding and he chose differently. And that's cool. That I'm totally fine with that, you know, but those choices have consequences and I feel sure. like that's a lesson too. And it's just these big sums of money when you're talking about college tuition are just so abstract to kids. I mean, they, they, they are. They've never made fifty thousand dollars in their life, you know. No, I and, mean, and, yeah, you're you're right. Uh, orders of magnitude don't really make a lot of sense, right? I mean, your average adult cannot conceive of the difference between a million and a billion, right? Studies have shown how poorly people <laughs> understand that. So yeah. to think that a teenager, right, <laughs> not not great at making you know decisions anyhow, is going to evaluate the difference between you know, uh, uh, $20,000 and a couple hundred thousand dollars, uh, in cost, for example, uh, which could very well be the difference here. Um, yeah. they're, they're just not. So to your point, we can be pr as principled as we want in theory, but now we're expecting a 17 year old or an 18 year old to have great foresight, which, uh, evid all evidence shows your average <laughs> 17 year old doesn't have a whole lot of foresight. It does start to bring up this conversation about budgeting. And I don't know if you've had this conversation with your daughter, but with my kids, as Henning, my older son was spending down his checking account and I have, I'm, you know, on his checking account. So I yeah. see all the transactions and I see it's, it gets to less than 60 bucks. Okay. And it costs 65 bucks to fill up his truck just to do the basic wow. stuff. Okay. And I said, what, so what happens here? <laughs> you know, what, what happens when you get to zero? What, what are you going to do? I mean, you're just not going to drive to school or yeah. like, how does it work? And it's funny that these budgeting conversations come up because I'm not someone who budgets. Uh, I know, obviously, right. <laughs> you know, you and I've had many discussions about this, but we have, there's value to doing it when money is tight. And hundred percent. Yeah. And it's essential even. Yeah. And, and there's value to do it even when money's not tight and, um, yeah, it's easy to charged. overspend. Yeah. So it did open up this conversation. And so we got him a mint account right online and that's great. Started plugging in some figures and looking at, okay, what's the, what's, what's the monthly burn rate? Because he has like Spotify and Xbox and all these subscription services that you and I have. Right. Um, and they, they add up. Big time. And so I said, so Spotify is coming due in like another two weeks. And that doesn't seem like a need. He's like, oh, no, I need Spotify. I'm like, okay, Xbox Live. You don't you don't need that, right? I mean, do you, you need to get to school. You need to drive your truck. There's certain essentials. Yeah, here. So, needs versus wants. Yeah, so you, you have this conversation about like, and it's, it, maybe you haven't come to this point yet because your daughter's just starting to drive now. But yeah. Budgeting becomes one of these, you got to pass it on. You got to put those yeah. kind of guardrails in place for your, your kids. Have you done anything like that? 
So that's a good question. She's aware that I budget. I think she probably has joined in a couple times and Lori picks on me for the degree of <laughs> budgeting and expense tracking I do. But uh, hey, man, it's only year or two post RE. So for me, keeping just tabs on expenses is really good for my sort of mental health. Yeah. Um, so I've definitely shared that I do that, but definitely she has not been interested in sitting down with me and right. seeing how to do it. But on a related point, I would say right now, our daughter not driving, not having a job per se and being 15, all her expenses are basically wants. Right. However, yeah. what I have been very good about over time is pretty much on a weekly basis when I do my own kind of budget reconciliation, just let her know what's in her account. Hey, it's down to 150 bucks, um, you know, just to let you know, because she is now at the age where she's doing stuff with her friends that cost money. Right. You know, they're going out having lunch or they're going to the movies or whatever. And so now there's that sort of experience tied money happening. Right. And she wants to do these things with her friends. And so she's now at the point where she's starting to ask me and her mother well, what needs done being done around the house? Do you have any like projects you need done or things I can do to make some money? And it's early stages. I wouldn't say a switch has flipped and she's looking to make like, hey, how do I make 200 bucks? Like I'm willing to do some hard work. It's like still pretty small scale. But I feel like as that money gets lower and she gets below 100 bucks, she's probably going to start to get concerned. So it might be a good time to have a, a little talk about that. But yeah, yeah she hasn't had to go to the level of budgeting yet. It's it's budgeting. And I, I honestly don't think he uses it at all. I don't think he goes. I think he just uses his, you know, bank app as a budget, <laughs> essentially. To your point about like, uh, oh, are there jobs to do around here? He's kind of asking around about that. And the for my business, I have a running task list that either one of the kids is always open to tapping into. Oh yeah. So in notion, there's just a, a checklist of tasks that need doing for the business, whether that's social media, a website updates, you know, clerical work inside of the office. I love that idea. It's just work. a poll system that they can just yep. take stuff. And is the like dollar amount attached to it? No, it's, uh, it's not that because, uh, it's an hourly fee. So, okay. I mean, they can't just say, okay, I'm cleaning all the windows in the studio inside and out and call it eight hours. Like that doesn't Got fly, it. but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, as long as it's reasonable. Yeah. And I have okay. hourly wage that I pay for that. So anytime you want to earn money, you know, the business is, the business door is open, helps me, helps you. <laughs> um, but, and he took me up on it. He, okay. he actually did a full day's worth of work when his bank account got that we had that pressing decision, you know, conversation about like his bank accounts in the fifties. Yeah. He did some work, man. All right. <laughs> not, not since. <laughs> so he's more of a just in time kind of person. <laughs> totally, man. Yeah. Got it. So okay. I, I don't know if budgeting is really going to stick with that boy, but yeah. we're trying, man. We're trying to instill these lessons. How about things like investing? Since you didn't have that given yeah. to you as a, uh, you know, sort of operating system. How, how have you been trying to teach your daughter about that? I would say I have taken the opportunity a couple of times. The story I mentioned about uh, funding the UTMA was one of them yeah. to at least introduce the ideas. Um, there hasn't been a lot of uptake or a lot of interest shown yet. So I'm, I'm going to keep at it because clearly it's the thing that's enabled us to get where we are. Hasn't been too effective. And I would say also, it's not something that yet has come up in school, and I'll be curious to hear if your experience is different. They haven't had any personal finance education, at least as far as I've asked and, and have heard that there's been nothing so far. Um, 
how about for you? you have much of you explained investing to them or have they gotten any education elsewhere about it? So school wise, they had last year, uh, my youngest had this math, great math teacher. And just as part of the, you know, curriculum for the kids who were excelling in math and just interested in learning more, they were talking about compounding interest and yes, yeah, that they've had, that's a part of the state curriculum. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they did this whole stock picking exercise. Oh, cool. We so, didn't do that. Yeah. So they got a, they got a big pot of money and they could b buy a bunch of stocks. And then of course the, the principal got involved and said, that's betting <laughs> and shut it down, which I was like out of my skull about, I'm like, are you serious? That's insane. <laughs> you know, I just heard about this on NPR recently. There's about how this like big, I forget what it's called, like the big stock pick or something like that, that all these schools do. It actually teaches the wrong behavior because <laughs> it, it basically drives them to do like sector investing yes. and impulse investing <laughs> instead of like well, what we do, which is boring mutual fund investing well, for the long term. Exactly what I was going to say. It's just funny. I don't mean to interrupt your story, but no, it's, it's kind of a funny idea. You no, know, it's a great tie-in because um, when they shut the program down, I said, hey, stick, let's just like, let's take let's actually take a pot of money and like, let's do it. Oh, like, nice. let's really, let's really buy some stocks. And I was like, what stocks are you like? What companies do you like? And, and I realized I was, <laughs> I fell right into this trap of like, Oh, we're going to buy like Pokemon stock, you know, like a Nintendo or whatever, whatever it was. And stop to the moon. Right. Exactly. It was just <laughs> that. And I was like, okay, wrong lesson. <laughs> yeah. So instead we, uh, we bought a bunch of Dogecoin. <laughs> Which is like even worse, right? It's Talk about worse. gambling, right? Oh God! Now the crypto bros are going to be in the comments again, dude. Oh, yeah. Man. So here's the best thing that happened with that. So we bought it right before the SNL um, with Elon Musk. With Elon Musk. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh man, I'm getting on this train to the moon, right? And so he and I each bought a hundred dollars worth of Dogecoin, and um, and in the weeks since and months since just watched it turn to dust. Yeah. And, you and me both. <laughs> yeah. But it was the best lesson because how to turn a hundred dollars into what's it down to 19 cents, you know, 19 bucks now. Yeah. Um, if it had gone the other way, it would have looked like just validation of that as a good strategy moving forward, which I think plenty of people have become rich off crypto, crypto lately. For right. Sure. But yeah, man, to throw for a kid, that was a big part of his net worth that we put into that. So here I go again with like just <laughs> teaching all the wrong lessons. Right. But we did actually sit down and say, look, this was a dumb idea, you know, and or here's here's how to do it differently next time or yeah you know in instead of investing in a meme coin invest a small percentage of your net worth in something that you believe in you know and i, I don't know how you guys approach this idea of you know risk and balancing risk and reward you know i don't actually even know how you teach that to your kids yeah. but uh, the answer for us is probably not nearly enough uh -huh. I, I don't think it's a, a topic we've we broach terribly often, but it's a, it's a boy, it's a great idea. Now you've got me thinking instead of paying attention to talking to you about how do I convey that? But I mean, in some ways, I feel like this is, um, your actions have shown that you are not risk averse. You've been willing to, you know, change your career and change sure. geographic locations and make big pivots in your life and do things that are pretty out of the ordinary for what your peer group is doing. Right. So that's that, fair. That's that fair. in itself is instructive. And I hope that with my kids that I'm showing them the value of hard work, when you put hard work into an asset that you own and that you create, like my business that can pay 
huge, huge dividends, like outsized dividends. And yeah. it's, it's those lessons that are, um, they're very hard to teach, I think, um, other than just showing. Yeah, and, for sure. And they're not things that you can just put your arm around your kid and say, oh, this is compound interest. You know, it's like right, not right. that kind of lesson either. Yeah. And so that's what makes this discussion, Jay, like just, just different. It's yeah. Different. Well, it's well, not tactical. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, but but to that point, I'm thinking about your example, and there's nothing simple about it, but I think it's such a contained thing that's in their life. They see your studio out there. Yeah. They know that eight years ago you started your business, and you were, you've been doing this since, and they've seen, and now they know. I'm sure they don't watch the show because what teenager wants to watch our show? But they are aware that you are talking actively often about this path to financial independence and that your business and the savings decisions you've made uh, you know, with the funding that you've gotten are enabling this for you. So they have a, an example in their house. Do you actively talk about it in those terms or is it mostly them observing um, what's happening? Tell, tell me about that because I'm, I'm so curious. Yeah, we do talk. Laura and I talk about it quite a bit, obviously, because we're pretty focused on this path right now. So we're having active conversations within earshot of our kids. I don't know how much of it they're listening to, but just like you and I growing up in our house, right? You're you're a party to those conversations sure. and you absorb it um, in a way that's hard to really put a finger on. So I know they're hearing it. And certainly we're talking about not taking on debt or you know making huge purchases. We're doing a lot of saving. So it's a lot of yeah. talking about saving. It's encouraging our kids to save, even if they're not actively doing it. Um, and I, I, I think they must see that. Um, but I, it's not an active, like, here's what you want to do. If you sit, you know, want to start a business here's I, I'm, I mean, I'm always in their ear about that. Like yeah, you, yeah. you should be creating stuff and not consuming, like create and not consume, but right, right. who knows how much of it they hear, man. <laughs> I well, know. I mean, they, but I mean, I guess to, to your credit, you've you've had them helping with the business, so they've seen yeah, what it is. They've taken part. They're look. They're uh, they're of the generation that absolutely notices when their father has a YouTube channel with nine hundred thousand subscribers, right? And yeah. and your kids are in YouTube too, so yeah. they know this stuff. So they have to have seen that you have been successful in it, and that it has tangible outcomes. So I'm sure the example is being made. Now, what they'll do with that. It's as much about their personality as it is anything, right? Have you talked about with your daughter? I'm curious about earning potential and, you know, I'll give you a quick example here. When the kids work for the business, they get paid way differently than they would get paid if they were washing dishes. And yeah. that's very explicit um, because there's a lot of value that's created when you you know, are doing yeah. the things that, uh, that I'm doing. So, so you pay them a good wage. I pay them a good wage. And... I want them to know like that there is a, there is a difference yeah. <laughs> between, and this isn't to disparage anyone's career or, you know, laddering up or anything, but you know, washing dishes, like a lot of people can wash dishes. And so therefore the value of that service is not as high as, you know, creating content. Not a lot of people can, can create content at a high level. And so I want that value to be explicit, but I understand. Do you, It'll be interesting to hear how you have this discussion with your daughter as she's starting to look at college and career paths. Yeah. Have you thought about that? We we do talk about that a bit. Um, I, I think the thing working against us 
is I believe based on what we've seen so far that our daughter is going to be able to live uh, with, you know, she could have a very meager income and live very happily. Yeah. I, I don't think That's she's going to be the kind of adult that has sort of fanciful desires and is going to be a, you know, lavish spender. I mean, that's going to be great for her because if she is successful in whatever career she ends up in, she will be able to save more um, because I don't think she's going to turn out to be a spender. But we do talk about it. We talk about, you know, the type of education and that giving you optionality. We, yeah. Laurie and I are always talking about solving for optionality, which I know is something you value tremendously. You've talked about it on, on two sides of five before. Um, so we talk about that and we talk about you know, the kind of career you're going into, you know, will provide you different financial benefits. And and we are not the type to say, well, you should absolutely choose your career based on the multiple it's going to give you in earnings. Yeah. But we do say that, you know, yeah, solve for happiness and satisfaction, but recognize that if you have multiple interests, they may have very different compensation. And that should be an active part of your decision process, because I think honestly, most of us didn't approach it that way. I know I sure as heck didn't, right? I went to I went into academic science. <laughs> that was never going to pay off and and that's okay, but I luckily stumbled into a different angle on science that ended up powering the rest of my career. I guess embedded in all of these things are just these little lessons, right? So we think For we're sure. we're not maybe the best conveyors of this financial information, but we are conveying something to them. And I think our For job sure. is maybe to continually think about it and refocus and, and bring them into the conversation because I think maybe that was the thing that was missing more in my life. I felt like I wasn't a part of the conversation. Yeah. It feels to me like you're doing it right. If your kids are <laughs> surprised when they learn about your assets, it's like living the millionaire next door, right? You don't, live in a, an outwardly looking lavish lifestyle right. you have you know nice home you have newer vehicles but none of that's fancy right yeah. and you're not like you know <laughs> dangling diamonds all over <laughs> yourselves you or laura um you know but you're comfortable but clearly you've done some things right because when you share that sort of net worth with your kids they're like wait what yeah okay yeah. now you're gonna pay for my xbox live no, right totally that changes kidding. the conversation doesn't it <laughs> yeah, but I, mean, I guess the second thought I have, and maybe it's kind of a wrap up of the conversation we've been having here is like anything with parenting, there's no perfect solution, right? It's about <laughs> your kids, how they're wired, what their interests are, their stage of life. Um, you're not going to get finances and, and personal financial education perfect with your kids. I think we've <laughs> both shared examples of how we've tried with some or, you know, some more or less success. It's going to be an ongoing thing. I mean, you're, even to think that an 18-year-old or a 21-year-old is a fully formed adult is, you know, not necessarily a valid concept for most people. It certainly <laughs> wasn't for me at those ages. So you and I have plenty of chances left and our spouses as well to help impart good lessons on our kids. I mean, I suspect you don't disagree with that, but what, what do you think? My whole parenting journey has been about course corrections. You know, I'm always, I'm always zigzagging, man. I, I mean, I'm doing it with my youngest son now who's learning to drive. It's just like, yeah. that is literal just, course corrections, literal course corrections, <laughs> metaphorical cor course corrections. Driving it's just, it's all very scary. Yeah. And yeah. so it's a great way to sum it up though, Jay. I mean, I appreciate that. And I, I feel like 
I, I never want to stop learning myself. And I also can look back on those financial mistakes, which you and I have recorded a whole video on or two maybe, and I can help steer them away from those things like debt, things like, yes. you know, understanding what it means to invest when you're young. And, and I think we're starting to do that. And like, you know, $10,000 in a Roth account for one of my kids because they put it there is incredible. That's wild. Like younger if, than 18. Yeah. If you think about what that's going to be gosh. by the time I'm gone, I mean, that's, that's a big deal. And, and if some little bit of that sinks into both of my kids, um, it, I think we will have done okay. And also just introducing the fire movement, like this whole thing has been life changing for me, you introducing this to me and what we're doing together here and trying to share this information out with other people. And like, if I had that information when I was their age, it would be life changing. And I just, for sure. yeah. So, well, you know, Eric, you, I love what you said there. You, and you said a couple things that haven't even come up in this conversation. And one of them is, you know, when you think about this, you know, kind of a metaphor of a river of life, there's, there are some giant rocks that can right. get dropped in your path and debt is one of them. So I think if you succeed at nothing else, helping your kids understand how to avoid debt yeah. and not getting into the traps of credit, for example, is is huge, right? That's going to pay for itself so many times over. And then if you talk about like, you know, kind of, you know, building like sweet boats to navigate that river, now, <laughs> now we have saving Trawlers. and investing and, you know, all of those things that can really accelerate their uh, advancement financially. So I'm maybe crap at metaphors, which is true, I am, but <laughs> You know, there's a lot of different types of lessons we can give our kids and both sides of that equation are super important. Yeah. Cool. And we're not the goody two shoes that <laughs> allowances. <laughs> and we started giving them an allowance <laughs> when they were three years old. <laughs> I hate that, man. <laughs> I'm wondering how many parents of like, you know, infants to two and three year olds are watching this. And, and you know, I always think about them because I think about like the very idealistic things we had in our heads when you have toddlers you're like i'm gonna parent this way and i'm gonna parent that way and then you start to learn that sort of aggregate of lessons you do as a parent about <laughs> how your thoughts change and how your kids really act versus what you read in a yeah. book and a lot of those nice ideas you had early on are right out the window yep my kids um, sitting down you... at the thanksgiving table drinking beers pulling beers out of the fridge like <laughs> when did this happen <laughs> <laughs> there is no clearer case of on-the-job training than parenting. Join us as the conversation continues next time on Two Sides of Fi. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating it at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For show notes, resources, and links to the video version, please check out our website at twosidesoffi.com. Two Sides of Fi.